1: Rice, Chicago. Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering. Welcome into a very special edition of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. and It's a very special edition because for the first time since we've been doing this show, we have not only one, but two Chicago Blackhawk players to talk about who were just inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame here on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, But before we dive into all that, I want to introduce the two other people who are with me. It's my two usual line mates. And up first, we have the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. It is Shepard Price.
0: Hi. Just like Jeremy Roenick, I'll never be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) What? It's true. It's true. Like, I think this is probably the year
1: you would have made it, and he did not make it. Yeah, I guess he has been out of the game. I mean, Kevin Lowe made it after, what, like 20, 30 years? I feel like Roenick's going to end up in at some point.
0: I don't know, because there's a lot of great wingers coming up after like this year. Well, he's and a center though. I mean, he was, Jeremy Roenick was a center?
1: He's got yeah, he's got twelve. There's even
0: there's even more great centers coming up. He
1: should be in just for his NHL 94 contributions alone. But he had he had 1200 points, 500 goals. I mean, if there was a, if there was a video game Hall of Fame, yes, he should be. <laughs> in, but I don't I don't think I don't think he'll make it into the hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, well, I think you're crazy, but stranger things have happened. Like I mean, Ronick's up to what? I'm, I'm scrolling down the list of all-time points. He's 45th all-time in points. He's got to get in eventually. There's, he'll get it. The other thing is that he's just going to keep getting
0: passed.
1: Yeah, he'll get in. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm confident he'll, he's going to get in. He's uh, of course he's not the only blackhawk from that era in the Hall of Fame, as we will be discussing later. But before we do that, I will introduce the other person with us right now, and that is Brandon Kane.
2: Hey, I feel like Ronick might get into the hockey hair hall of fame, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can confirm.
2: Because, Can't I mean, Dave and I don't have any room to talk on that, but. <laughs> no, no, we do not. Ronick's got some hair that uh, we would be A-okay with having. I I
1: would, yeah. If, if I was ever going to have hair again, I would not mind having German Ronick's hair, but, you know. That That's that's not what I was given. That's not the cards I was dealt in life. So, oh, well. I guess we'll yeah, just – I would it. just,
2: like, wash it better than he does. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too inside there. But.
1: All right. Well, um, I, I guess let's not just – we don't have our usual opening tangent because we have we actually have hockey things to talk about, and I'm very excited to talk about this because I think we've mentioned this in recent podcasts where anytime we get to talk about Marion Hosa is a good time and we're just going to talk about Marion Hosa a ton tonight because he is officially a first-ballot Hall of Famer today after being one of the six people, I believe it was, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame today. Uh, the announcement came down 3.30, Landon McDonald read it. Uh, I was watching it on TV. The class also includes, and I want to make sure, I'm, I'm Googling this real quick so I make sure I don't have anybody wrong, but it's uh, we have Kevin Lowe, we have Jeroen Ginla. We have yeah, Kevin Lowe, Roma Ginla, Marion Hosa, Ken Holland, Doug Wilson, also a former Blackhawk. And then we also have Kim St. Pierre, who is a uh, was the woman's goalie for Team Canada for many a year. Um, so obviously, we're not too concerned about St. Pierre Lowe or Ginla or even Ken Holland. Uh, and we're going to get to Doug Wilson later on in this episode, but right now, I, we're just going to say as much great stuff as we can about Marion Hosa and Shepard Price. I'll go to you first. Uh, what was your reaction when you found out this news? So today, so yesterday I built the case against Marion Hosa and the case for, and
0: like, well, he definitely has a hall of fame case. I was not prepared for him to be a first battle hall of famer. Um, but the fact that he is, he's the, so in my sports fandom, he's like the first of my favorite players to make it. And like, there'll be guys after him, but like, it's a great feeling watching one of your guys go into the hall of fame, uh, and watching, getting the, know, knowing that Hossa is a hall of famer now is just, it's a fantastic.
1: feeling. Brandon Kane. What about you?
2: Yeah. Hosa was one of the guys on the senators, like during my early hockey fandom that I was like, yeah, this dude is a dude. Like <laughs> him and Daniel Alpherson. I was like, yes, I can get behind that. Um, so it's kind of cool to, like, follow his career and then be like, oh, why you got to be on the Penguins? Oh, now you have to be in Detroit. Oh, fuck you.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah, You hated him for a year.
2: Right? Which was very odd. Um, mm-hmm. But then when he came to Chicago, I was like, here we go. Like, this is the real deal for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when he signed with the Blackhawks, that was the uh, oh, official sign to the rest of the league that they're not fucking around anymore, that, that something real is about to go down now that Marion host was on board and even, and I, I still, it's still crazy to think about that when he came to the Blackhawks, he still had that moniker of being a postseason choker of being, I, I guess, uh, uh, kind of like Yeroma Gimla because Gimla never won the cup, but just being a guy who couldn't get over that final herder after losing with Pittsburgh and then going to Detroit and losing to Pittsburgh, you know, it's, it, it was so crazy to think how long he had that moniker because he played 12 seasons in the NHL before he came to Chicago. And then he played another eight years with the Blackhawks. I think that's the most fascinating thing is he had what anybody would have, I think anybody that had made professional hockey and had had the 12 years that Marion Hossa had to start his career and then retired would have been perfectly content, well, mostly content with how they performed and how they did. And then he had a whole another eight years after that. And, and that's the most unfathomable thing to me was how long he was in the NHL and how good he was for so long. Because up until his very last season, he was still playing top six minutes, making top six contributions, and the Blackhawks still haven't replaced him three years later.
2: It's also, also, we omitted the part that he spent three seasons with the Atlanta Thrashers. Very important. I was
1: actually going to make a joke about, do you guys think he'll wear an Atlanta Thrashers jersey at the induction ceremony? Just because I thought that would be funny. But you, I you mean, to be fair, to that's where he had his best season. <laughs> it is. It is. And all of 2,000 people watched it every night because it was hockey in Atlanta at the time. Yeah, and the 6 07 season, is that the one you're referring to, Shepard?
0: Yeah. The 100
1: game. point season. Yeah. In the dead puck era, four to three goals and 57 assists. Well, maybe like just after, or no, no, that was dead puck era. That was right out of the lockout when everything was pretty boring.
0: Yeah. And that was with, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk on the thing. I think ours other wing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, I just saw a picture of somebody posted on Twitter of, uh, uh, uh Kovalchuk and Hosa standing next to each other at the all-star game. Kovalchuk number 17, Hosa number 18. And, uh, you, you wonder how – like, the, the Strasher teams were okay, and you wonder how they weren't better with those two guys on the roster just because those are two – I wouldn't call them generational ta- – those are two Hall of Fame talents. Covey's uh, yeah. not in yet, but I'm sure he'll get there eventually with his, how, how good of a career he has had, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, because it's not only in the NHL but also overseas. So, I assume he'd get in. The, so, yeah, two genuine Hall of Fame talents on your roster and they made the playoffs and got swept out by the Rangers one year. But we're not here to talk about Kovalchuk. We're going to talk about Hosa, And I guess Shepard, Brandon, if either one of you guys want to go, uh, just what are some of your fond Marian Hosa memories or Marian Hosa things or just just what other thoughts and ideas do you have about uh, this first ballot Hall of Fame induction ceremony for Marian Hosa?
0: Him lifting the cup first after Taves in 2010 is probably like, the official start i guess of the the blackhawks reign uh because like taves was injured and couldn't really do a full skate but then hosa having it
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's
0: like the first like symbol we remember of like the blackhawks like dominant
1: and and that's there's one thing i wanted to add before i we get too much into like talking about memories and such like that but yeah you you're right like that was i remember when they won that first cup. Like, you always know who the first guy is that the captain's going to hand the cup off to. And it was so obviously going to be Marion Hosa. He was like standing behind Taves in wait for that. And I think they let him take a skate a little bit because he'd waited so long to lift it. But I think the, I think we all knew Hosa was going to be a Hall of Famer. I think the first ballotness was kind of questionable. Like, I, I didn't, I, I certainly, I, I think we all agreed that he had a shot, but. I don't know if there was some part of me that I guess didn't think he was going to be the first ballot hall of fame induction, but this is, I think validation that what we saw for the last, the last eight years with the Blackhawks And then the last 20 years of his entire career, it's kind of validation that yes, that was greatness personified on the ice. Every single time you watched him play the fact that he's a first ballot hall of famer kind of confirms what we're, we were all thinking as we were watching him play.
0: Yeah. Um, and also, like, he's one of the best takeaway artists in the history of the game.
1: Yeah, um, the, the, the takeaway to giveaway ratio, and you mentioned this in your article today, Shepard, when you were laying out the argument for him, and it's, I don't know how great that stat is with the, the way, Well, they didn't start tracking it until 07, 08. So this is the back half yeah. of Hosa's career. So, I mean, when Hosa was in his prime, I could only imagine what the numbers were but his career ratio was uh 577 takeaways to 278 giveaways that's over a 2 to 1 ratio and again the back half of his career like in in 2011-2012 it was 94 to 29 which is just silly like that that's that's yeah. abs- that's absurd on a takeaway to giveaway ratio for any hockey player like i, I feel yeah. like Pavel is probably the only guy that could rival those numbers
0: right and uh so one of the things that'll be said about Hossa for all time and like is, is said about another hall of famer, I'll make this case. Brad Park is always referred to as like the best defenseman never to win the Norris. I mm-hmm. think Marion Hossa is, and, and Brad Park went to the hall of fame. I think Marion Hossa is the best forward never to win the Selkie and he went to the hall of fame. And I went again, him, him winning the Selkie is not a result of any of his play. It's the result of, uh, if anything, the voters. And like, he, like I've made the case in, in the piece, but, uh, he he deserves taveses selkie and he probably deserves one of pavel Datsus.
1: yeah the, the way they wore the selkie it's like it's so much off of reputation cuz it there's not really a great way to measure defense I, I you know some of the analytics and statistics that are coming out now it's certainly getting easier and better to do but i don't think the i don't think it's as universally accepted among whoever's doing that voting as it is it, or it's still not universally accepted enough to make to make it a, uh, a viable thing that people are going to consult when they're making those decisions. I mean, for five years in the 2000s, it was just let's give it to Yari Lettinen every year because he's got a really good defensive reputation. Now it's like which guy plays on the penalty kill a lot and scores 40 goals at the same time. It's a very sh- bizarre award with the way they hand it out. And it seems like they always have to give it to a center because apparently wings don't play defense, which I think Hosa proved all of that wrong. So – yeah, it's it's like he was always – I don't want to say he was never great because he was a great hockey player and, and then getting the labels and all that. But, like, he was always in, like, the top 10% of the league. He may not have been in the top 1% uh, for too long, maybe a couple seasons when he was in his mid-late 20s. But he stayed in that top 10% for, what, like 15, 16 years? And that alone should be enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. Brandon, you've been off the quiet. Do you have any other thoughts about uh, Marion Hosa as we're just sitting here talking about him because it's so much more fun to talk about him than anything else in the hockey world right now?
2: (laughs) I think with Hosa, the big thing is that two-way game and his compete level, it was noticeable night in, night out. And that's why just universally he was a well-liked player because you knew he was going to be a high-impact player on both ends of the ice. And then you add on to the fact that he was one of those players chasing a cup and for it to be the third time with a third team in a row. It just was so storybook. And then Chicago just went on this run and it was so evident how vital he was to the team's success, not only with the top players, but the players that worked their way into the lineup. And you could see that they – rubbed off on him, you know, Brandon Sod's a prime example of that. Right. It's just, you slide into the lineup, okay, I see similarities in his game, and then it just kind of manifests. And then what Shepard said about the takeaways, it seemed like the more his career went on, Hossa took more pride in his defensive game and taking the puck away than he did scoring goals.
0: I mean, but even, the, even, like, late in his career, a host that remained fantastic at scoring goals.
1: Yeah, I mean, he scored, well, I think, like, 26 goals in 73 games in the last season, which is probably around a 30-goal pace if you would play the full 82. But, yeah, like, he never – like, I think Brandon, to Brandon's point about how he really – he always do- – he really doubled down on defense in the back half of his career just because he knew, like, you can always play defense. You can always come back on a back check. Sometimes as you get a little older, get into your, you know, he was 38 in his last season in Chicago. Sometimes that little extra spark you need to create that little bit of space to get you enough room for a shot on goal may not be there anymore, but you can still be a nuisance on the check, And obviously Hosa proved he could do that. Um, I mean, his takeaway to takeaway, or excuse me, takeaway to giveaway ratio his last season, still 47 to 29. And I'm sure the majority of Blackhawks on that team were in the negative column. So, so there's that, but I, I kind of go back to what I originally said about this being validation that, you know, everything we thought we saw over the last 10, 15 years was legit, but it was also, there, there's just something about like Marion Hossa. You never heard a bad story about him. I've never met the guy personally, so I can't speak to his personality or how he's off the ice, but have any of you ever heard a bad story about Marion Hosa ever?
0: No. And it's also, I think it's because it's also because he's just, such a quiet dude like he just quietly retired to like a castle in Slovakia yeah, uh, like, and that and that's you know, what he's castle. been doing <laughs> that's what that that's what that man's been doing like
1: he's... yeah it just it just it's like it feels like Marian Hossa was just a good guy who happened to be really, really 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 good at hockey and it just it's it's it, it just puts a smile on your face just anytime anybody says Marian Hosa, you're just it it's a good way to it's a good way to start a conversation just walk up to people and say hey marion hosa and see where it goes um mean that we do have two quotes from him that are rolling in apparently they're doing a conference call of some sort but uh marion hosa on his election to the hockey hall of fame it says this is an amazing day for me and my family i'd like to congratulate all the six people with me it's an amazing day for everybody of course hosa congratulating other people that's just who marion hosa is uh he continues saying my dream came true when I won the first Stanley cup. This is definitely something special to be in the top top players and the people in the NHL. This means so much to me. I'm humbled and really grateful. Probably exactly what he would expect. Marian has to say.
0: Yeah. I want to he, make a point here is that like, he's not, he's not just getting the hall of fame here for his NHL work because this is the hockey hall of fame. He's also arguably one of, if not the greatest Slovakian hockey players of all time. And like his uh, international work shows that like he was more than a point per game in both the Olympics and the world's junior classic. Like he put in a lot of work during like the peak years of Slovakia. And like, it was him, Chara and Marian Gabarik lifting that team.
1: Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I don't know how they vote on this, but I did see on the NHL network that he was the four time Slovakian player of the year during his career.
0: Yeah. And the, again, that's a year. That's a career that overlaps entirely with one of the best offensive of all time is Zdeno Chara.
1: Mhm. And it's it's I'm, I'm I'm they have a category on the hockey reference website uh, for players born by country but it's born in Czechoslovakia cuz all those players were born before the, those countries split into two so like there's some other names on here that I don't think played for the Slovakian teams they played for the Czech teams like Jagr was always on the Czech Republic teams right?
0: Yeah, Jagr is Czech.
1: Yeah, so, so yeah, again, and not only that, but yeah, Hosa's international performance, like he just he was he was productive everywhere he went. He was productive, in, he was awesome in Ottawa, he was awesome in Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and then and ending up in Chicago and then playing all his international appearances. I think he was also uh tore up for the Portland Winterhawks way back in the day. Yeah, in the WHL in the 97 98 season, he had 85 points in 53 games. So, yeah, Marion Hosa was good wherever he went. I'm sure his castle in Slovakia. He's doing great things there as well.
2: Shout out to Team Europe.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Team Euro- Europe in the World Cup. He had uh, six games, one goal. There you go. Yeah, and four penalty minutes. I'm sure those- mission accomplished. I'm sure both of. Them- <laughs> I'm sure both of those calls were wrong. Um, well, what about just any favorite moments you guys had? I mean, the obvious one that jumps out is the Game Five goal against Nashville, which I think everyone starts with there but what are some other maybe maybe more subtle or some other lesser known Marian Hosa moments that stand out to you guys
2: the uh pickpocketing with uh Pavel Datsuk oh yeah that was just like a very like these two are clearly the best at what they do and they just did it to each other and that's just like something you don't see in hockey all that often
1: no because I feel like a I I don't know the I I don't know if I wanna say the majority, but a lot of hockey players, you get the puck stolen from you once, you're gonna give up on the play. Or you're certainly not gonna back check as hard as Hosa would. I think part of it was when Hosa turned around and saw it was Datsuk. it was like, Oh, this motherfucker, I gotta go get this puck <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: Shepard, what about you? Any go tos for you?
0: So the moment that sticks out to me is not even an on-ice moment. It's an off-the-ice moment. It's a 1,000th uh, game ceremony. Um, and this is my profile picture on uh, secondcityhockey.com. Uh, when his daughter boops his nose. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's always what stood up to me about Marion Hoss, is that sense of humor and,
2: like, closest to his family.
1: Yeah, that's, like, top five most adorable sports moments I think that have ever happened.
2: Also eating yeah. pierogi out of... Uh... The <laughs> yes.: I feel like you can't get more Marion Hosa than that.
1: so so as we're, as we're talking here, I wanted to find out there's a particular play that always stands out to me for Hossa, and that's it's the Ben Smith overtime goal in 2011, game six against the Canucks, that forced game seven, and Ben Smith scores a goal, but the entire play is made because Marion Hossa wins a battle for the puck in in the neutral zone. And then establishes possession establishes possession in the offensive zone. he fights off like two or three checkers he's holding the puck with uh one hand on a stick and maintaining possession while fighting guys off with his other hand. He has the puck for about ten to eleven seconds, which is i i think the uh the epitome of the it's Marion Hossa's puck and you can't have it mode that we saw so many times throughout his career, but so he controls the puck for ten to eleven seconds all in one time, which there's guys that probably don't have the puck on their stick for 10 seconds in an entire game. But at the end of it, he throws it out to the point to Yalmerson, who gets a shot on net. There's a rebound. There's Ben Smith. Game over. And that, I think, is one of the – that's like the epitome of Marion Hosa for me in that he wins a 50-50 battle in the neutral zone, and you could probably chalk it up as a takeaway. Then he just owns the puck for 10 seconds because he wants to and nobody else can take it off of him. And then the Hawks score because of it. And I think he gets the secondary assist on this goal. So it may not be, you know, you know, he was never, when during his time in Chicago at least, he was never like the number one star on the team. It seemed like it was always like Taves or Kane or Duncan Keith. But I, like Marion Hosa was always one of the most vital parts of the team because he did all the dirty work that allowed Taves and Kane and other guys to especially Kane, I'd say. Marion Hosa's defensive ability is what allowed Patrick Kane's line to go off and do its own thing.
0: And, like, again, you mentioned Brandon Saad, that, like, legacy that lives on of Hossa teaching, like, the next guy. Um, and even if Saad's not doing, like, the same amount of uh, production, like, th- that same defensive prowess remains on the team because of Hossa.
1: Yeah, like, they, I, for the longest time, Brandon Saad was called baby Hossa. I don't yeah. think he's going to quite get to that level in his career, unfortunately. Which I mean, is anybody going to get to that level in their career? He's Marion freaking Mark. Hard?
0: Again, Mark Stone is like the closest representation of Marion Marion Jose that we have in the game now. Yeah, but and it's, it's really, really hard to be Mark Stone.
1: But anyway, yeah, like Marion Jose's mark on this team and this franchise will be felt for years. And I just personally, I think it's hilarious that he's still on somebody's salary cap payroll, and we're talking about him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, didn't we do the same thing with Pronger, though? And it was the same team. (laughs) That's true. Well, yeah. There's obviously one team that's really good at this – or or the one team that's the popular destination for the salary cap circumvention route. The Arizona Coyotes do have a hell of a roster, though, man. I mean, you've got Chris Pronger. You've got Marion Hosa. Isn't if you start a season in NHL 20, those guys are on the team?
0: No, I don't think anymore. Uh, I think – like. In, in like, like NHL 17, you might have had that team. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I think Pronger's not there anymore because he's he's not showing up on their cat-friendly page, but... But Marion Hossa still is. For...
2: So, do you guys remember Hossa as number 18 or number 81? 81. 81. Okay. Undoubtedly.
1: Like, I feel like when when he played the first half of his career, like, I, I got... Obviously got more into hockey during during the back half of the 2000s and then especially in the 2010s when Jose was already in Chicago. But he was, I felt like he was always kind of a, like an under the radar guy because the Ottawa Senators had some decent teams, but were never that great. I mean, when he went to Atlanta, first off, that was right out of the lockout. So it was like hockey didn't exist in some parts of the world at that point. But it felt like he was always kind of an unknown thing. And then he got to Pittsburgh and then they went to the cup and then the, that summer, the free agency thing, and he signed the one year deal with Detroit, and then come to the Blackhawks the year after that. Like it was a big. Uh... Then, then he I think he's when he started registering on more radars once he got into Pittsburgh and they, uh, he got to got more playoff exposure because while he was playing with Ottawa, I don't know how. To... I take it back. They did make the playoffs. He, threat. he, he
0: dragged them to like the, the he did, he accomplished the same feat as Eric Carlson by dragging the Ottawa, Ottawa Senators to the Eastern Conference Final.
1: Yeah. In 2003, they went to the conference final and lost in seven games to the Devils. So yeah, I mean, and that's one of the names that, that they were talking about actually. So that was uh, Daniel Alfredson is a name that comes up a lot as a guy when they were talking about snubs from this year's Hall of Fame class. That team and, and it's got some of the names that there's a lot of connections to Hossa. First off, there's a Dano Charles on this team, so a fellow countryman. It's got Martin Havlett on this Ottawa Senators team, who was the player of the Blackhawks, decided to not resign to keep Marion Hossa instead. But... I don't Hossa know and I Hossa
0: was the leading scorer on that team, too. Yeah, I
1: don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but, yeah, there were... It felt like once Hossa became is the back half of the 2000s with this Pittsburgh and Detroit and then in Chicago. And that's when like Hosa, I I guess that's when he more registered on my personal radar. I I felt like when you were playing in Ottawa and Atlanta, that's in the Eastern conference and it's the Hawks didn't play them a ton. So he wasn't really, I didn't really know who he was until like the year he came to Pittsburgh. And then for, and then when the Hawks signed him, I, that was one of those, like your phone just explodes from 19 text messages from people just saying like it was, it was like the equivalent of the bears when they traded for Khalil Mack it's like now you know they're serious about winning yeah i'm i'm trying to find more things to say about Marion Hosa but uh i'm starting to run in short supply i mean it's just it's it's fun to see a player from that era now get the hall of fame credential it's also a little bit sad cuz it's another reminder that that era is kind of in our rearview mirror um i'm sure there's many more coming over the next decade uh at least four more. I think at a very minimum. Oh, I say Wait. three at a minimum. Yes, I was going to say, who's your fourth? I'd, I'd say three is the minimum. Like Taves, Kane, and Keith. I assume we're all going to the Hall of Fame, and then me, Brent Seabrook. Like, like you were talking okay. about Shepard with Kevin Lowe getting in. Maybe. Kevin Low,
0: Kevin Low opens the door for Brent Seabrook. Yeah, yeah. Like, although they the goalt- and the goaltender, the goaltender door is very hard to get through. Yeah. So we will see uh, on Corey.
1: Yeah, and. uh they did win six cups in Edmonton, and the Hawks got three. So,
0: yeah. But what about like, Scott that's the Foster? Modern day equivalent.
1: <laughs> Shut up, Brandon. <laughs> God
0: damn. The modern day equivalent of the six cups in Edmonton is three cups in Chicago. To be honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I feel like Seabrook would be. I would be surprised, but you never know.
0: And I mean, if he does get it, it's because of one goal, and it's, that's the 2013 oh, Game Seven.
1: Well, like, and and nineteen other postseason overtime goals at any time the hawks needed a clutch overtime goal brent seabrook
2: scored it so did you guys know that there are number 81 hosa jerseys for the coyotes
1: (laughs) really i'd buy if i was because his
2: brother played 14 games there in 2007
1: marcel hosa way back in the day oh okay the red wings tweeted a picture of marion hosa in red wings gear saying congrats on your hall of fame induction and it just looks weird to see Hosa in a Red Wings uniform.
2: Yeah. Did Pittsburgh Good. do it? Uh,
1: I have not seen if the Penguins did it. I, f- I feel like he has probably a better reputation in Pittsburgh because like, he took them to the final. They did tweet out a congratulations uh, to Penguins alumni, Jerome Ginla and Marion Hosa. But they didn't tweet out yeah. a picture like the Red Wings did. I forgot Aginla played with the Penguins too. I thought Aginla was going to win a cup with the Hawks at some point. I really thought – like he was going to get the Ray Bork treatment, but come to Chicago. But I, I, I can't remember which season it would have been where the Hawks would have added him and where he would have fit and all that. But that would have been pretty. Cool. Twenty
0: fifteen. 2015. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Right.
1: Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I really thought that was the year that uh, that Kinler was going to get the uh, the twenty ten Marion Hosa treatment, but it was going to be at the very end of his career because I think that was the year he retired.
0: No, he kept going. He went for a long time because he went to, like, Colorado he, and then
1: Los Angeles. Gimla played for freaking ever, man. Like, he was the cover of, like, NHL 06 or 07, and he was so damn good with the Flames. He was so damn annoying to because he was, he was so tough to play against that he was annoying as a fan of the other team. But he, I forgot, yeah, he did the – oh, wow, he went all over the place at the end of his career. I forgot he played with the Kings. Yeah. I mean, it was a short run, but he played with the Kings. Yeah. So uh, while we're here, um, Rome again, obviously amazing talent, clear first ballot, Hall of Famer. Uh, Anybody, uh, any thoughts on any of the other guys? We'll get to Doug Wilson on the, uh, in a little bit, but any Ken Holland thoughts or Kim St. Pierre or Kevin Love, uh, Kevin Lowe thoughts? Not Kevin Love. Kevin Lowe. (laughs) Kevin Love. (laughs) Kevin Yeah. Kevin Lowe is not going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. That'd be a neat trick if he pulled it it'd off. Be, it'd be fantastic. He
0: yeah. just retires from NBA right now and joins the NHL for no reason. He's going to make less money. Yeah, again, Kevin Lowe, is, it makes no sense him going in before Alexander Mogil- Mogilny, But um, it does open the, it, I think it opens the door a lot more for Brent Seabrook.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be interesting to watch as, uh, as time goes on. Because, uh, you know, it's, we're still several years from – like Taves and Kane have many, I wouldn't say, maybe not many, but multiple years left of their career. Keith and Seabrook, Seabrook probably be the first one to retire given all the injuries and surgeries he's had. Keith, I assume, would retire next, although he might just play hockey forever because he seems like he has the ability to do so. Um, But, I mean, I'm sure we're at least a good five, ten years away before we're talking about Hall of Fame inductions for either of those guys. Uh, really quickly, just out of curiosity, what do you guys think? Is Marion Hose's number getting retired in Chicago?
0: It has to be now.
1: He's a Hall of Famer.
0: I think there's going to be more uh, more numbers in the rafter from this era than there are going to be players in the Hall of Fame.
2: Because so I think it is. I think Host's 81 has to go up there.
1: Brandon, what about you?
2: I think that there only should be three numbers retired, and that's Taves, Kane, and Keith. And then you do, like, a Ring of Honor for the other ones. But I also the think, like, don't have retiring a numbers right is, now. like, mm, kind of a weird deal anyway. But
1: I mean, you can make a Ring of Honor, Shepard, just because they don't have one doesn't mean they can't come up with one.
2: And just I make th- one with
1: I – th- I think hockey – I think they'll retire Host's number. I feel like he – it's a combination of how good he was and how beloved he was as a player. Because uh, I think – one of the most fun things about Marian Hossa was the social media discussion around him and just him being immortal and a demigod and just, just all of those things. But yeah. Marian Hossa was just so much fun. Uh, everything on social media was great and it was just, it was just a blast and I, I'm up I'm sad it's over. I'm probably going to be watching a lot of Marian Hossa highlights on YouTube and TV and wherever else I can find them tonight. And, uh, That'll, that'll be a good night. That'll be, I, I'm already looking forward to it. It sounds like a great evening for me, but Marion Hossa was not the only member of the Blackhawks to be inducted into the hall of fame today. And when we come back on the other side of this timeout, we're going to talk about the other guy, which is former defenseman and current San Jose sharks, general manager, Doug Wilson. And we'll do that right after this break.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as we promised before the break, we're going to talk about Doug Wilson a little bit. Now, this is going to be a little bit more difficult for the three of us because uh, I was, as the veteran of this group, I was, approximate, I was just about four or five years old when Doug Wilson played his last game with the Blackhawks. So that makes things a little bit more challenging for me. Uh, Brandon, you were in 1990, I was, uh, let's see, I was four years old when he was traded to San Jose by Chicago for Kerry Taporowski. I can't even say that name. And San Jose's second round pick, which became future Blackhawk Boris Mironov. Fun fact. But yeah, so the Blackhawks traded away Doug Wilson on September 6, 1991. Brandon Kane, how old were you?
2: Well, I was looking, born, born on look New up Year's Day year? in 91.
1: <laughs> What'd you say, Brandon?
2: <clears throat> I was born on New Year's Day in 91.
1: Okay, so you were eight months old. And Shepard was not born yet. So I was, <laughs> looking... Neg- I was negative like four. Okay. So this is going to be a little more difficult for us because uh, obviously none of us saw him play live. Um, I, I, we were talking about this before we came on the air. The way I always remember Doug Wilson is that whenever Duncan Keats' Norris Trophy candidacy would come up, then they'd always reference the other players in franchise history that won a Norris Trophy, and that was always Chelios, Doug Wilson, and Pierre Palat. So that's my main memory of Doug Wilson. We did he was chronicled in a former Blackhawk of the Week article we wrote uh March of twenty eighteen. And I was rereading that as a as a bit of a reminder. And he was Doug Wilson was basically the prototypical nineteen eighties offensive defenseman. Uh remains the the franchise leader in scoring by a defenseman, right?
2: Correct. That
1: is correct. Yeah. Yeah. He had an He played 16 years overall, but 14 of them are with the Blackhawks. See, this is the one thing that drives me insane about hockey references. There was apparently – it happened after the 86 season where the Blackhawks changed their name from two words to one word. So they have all the goals and all the statistics tallied separately for Doug Wilson. He has nine years with the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks is two words. And then five years with Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks is one word. So, altogether, he played, if I can do math, paid 938 games with, the, this, with Chicago and scored 225 goals and had 779 points. Yep. And he's still the, the team's leader in points by a defenseman, although I imagine he's got a few guys nipping at his heels, most notably Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. So, Shepard Brandon, give me all your Doug Wilson memories. Go. I was negative four. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good talk. Brandon, what about you?
2: Yeah, I've just seen like old clips and stuff of him. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, that's a defenseman that could skate and move the puck up the ice. And clearly, as you can see by his scoring totals, that's exactly what he did. And it worked out well. Because the Blackhawks were good in the 80s, but not great.
1: Yeah, like the, the teams that – they didn't make the cup until the 91-92 season, which Wilson was traded right at the start of that season to the – excuse me, to the expansion San Jose Sharks. And then I guess he liked it so much in San Jose that he decided to become the team's general manager. But, uh, yeah, yeah. His, his, uh, his peak season was 1981-1982 when he scored uh, 39 goals, had 46 assists. Both of those numbers still – Records and still single season records for Blackhawks defenseman He was an all star that year. That was the season he won the Norris Trophy. And uh, I guess the other notable thing about Doug Wilson is that he played 16 seasons and he never wore a helmet. Huh. Because he got in, he debuted in the 78 79 season. It was in this 1979 1980 season where they made helmets mandatory, but they grandfathered in any players who played before that that didn't want to wear a helmet, and Doug Wilson played into the 90s, and he was part of that grandfather clause, so he never wore a helmet.
2: So he like, I would he love like, to know the last player who didn't wear one.
1: Craig, Mc, Craig McTavish.
2: Really? Yeah. Good old Future
1: Edmonton Oilers coach.
0: And GM. So apparently guys who don't like to wear helmets becomes, become GMs.
1: Craig McTavish, who retired in 1997, was the last NHL player to suit up in a game without a helmet. That is verbatim from the former Blackhawk of the Week article I wrote. Thanks for reading, Brandon. have seen that
2: now. <laughs> it's been a while, just, damn just it. Just
1: scroll down to the damn story I wrote. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> hey, it's linked in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so so I'm looking at the, the Blackhawks' all-time career leaders for – just everything. And so Doug Wilson was ninth with 938 games. He's not on the goal list. I don't see him. He is fourth all time with 554 assists. Patrick Haynes passed him up for points. He is seventh all time with 779 points. Duncan Keith is way behind him in 10th at 610. So I think Doug Wilson's spots are pretty well pretty uh, solidified there. I don't think anybody's going to be catching him anytime soon. I mean,
0: well, maybe uh there is somebody wearing 27 who might be the best offensive defenseman well, of the Blackhawks have right. had
1: in a long time. Cuz Doug Wilson scored 225 goals as a defenseman, so boquist better hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> well I guess I shouldn't True. say hurry up. He's still 19 years old. He's got plenty of time, but he has a lot of goals to catch him. Keith's Keith and Seabrook or Keith's at 101, Seabrook's at 103. Granted, Boquist is by far the most offensive oriented of those three players, but i don't know two hundred and twenty five goals is a lot of damn goals, and Wilson played in an era where defenseman could score forty goals in a season
0: I, the, the thing about Duncan Keith also has always been like he's never been a fantastic goal scorer like there I remember like no. a season he came like like dangerously close to scoring zero goals um
1: oh yes, and he, he's like the second it was either the last game of the year or the second last game of the year. He scored a goal that beat St. Louis and I think was responsible for knocking St. Louis out of the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, Great he's goal. never been fantastic at it, which is why, like, all the all the crucial goals have come from Brent Seabrook.
1: So what you guys are telling me is you don't have any more Doug Wilson takes, do you?
0: <laughs> uh, he'll, he'll always be like, – like you said, he'll, he'll probably always have a place in the Blackhawks record book, even if – Adam Boquist comes out of nowhere and just turns it on
1: yeah I, I think just on pure point pure goals and points he will probably forever be the most offensively productive defenseman the Blackhawks have ever had, which isn't a, yeah. when, which is nothing to uh, nothing to sleep on and obviously worthy of a Hall of Fame credentials because he was part of the class that was inducted today yep,
0: I mean it gets you it, being one of the best the defenseman for an original six team probably does get you into the Hall of Fame,
1: and
2: yeah. probably
0: should. Exactly. Also, kind of weird. time,
2: that The guy who wore number twenty-four waited twenty-four years to get into the Hall of Fame.
1: There we go. Perfect. So Martin Havlat's got what another twenty-some years to wait.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> going. Of course, we're going to go back to Marion Hossa for a second here, but just going back that that O two O three Senators team. It's crazy to look at that and realize that this was 2003 and the, some of the names on that team. Because not only do you have Marion Hosa at 24 years old, but like Martin Havlat at the age of 21, Zdeno Chara at 25. Like that, that feels like it was a lifetime ago, but Zdeno Chara is still there on the roster. And he was 25 at that point. Like I thought Chara would have been like 19 or 20. No, he was he was already a full grown adult male, and he's still freaking playing seventeen years later. That's impressive. i, I he was mean, probably the, a full
2: grown adult at like sixteen. <laughs>
1: true. Yeah. Very true. Very. When true. When your though. best
0: asset is your size, you probably don't have to play stop playing hockey until you're very
1: old. Yeah. Oh God, goddamn! Nineteen year old Jason Spezza. Yeah. Damn. That was. Yeah. And uh, future Blackhawks, Patrick Lem and Brian Smolinski on the team. Oh, sonny. and Dennis Bonvie and Ray Emery. God. This is this is some fun. So yeah, I I think that's all for our, uh, I think that'll end the Doug Wilson segment. I I apologize to any of the the more veteran Blackhawks fans listening to this podcast. Um, I I can tell you we can tell you he's an offensive defenseman, and he had a hell of a slap shot. Was probably awesome on the Blackhawks power play, but yeah, it's kind of tough to say much else about Doug Wilson because. I didn't go to a Blackhawks game until 1996, and that's when I got into hockey. And Doug Wilson had already retired at that point, so you might as well ask me to talk about Pierre Pilot's playing because I would know just as little about him as I would about well, all right, maybe a little bit, but you get you get the point.
0: I didn't I didn't watch hockey till I till 2012 2013, so so yeah.
1: he is 40 so, yeah. years removed from me. So so when did you? So if you got into hockey then, when did you find out that Doug Wilson was a former Blackhawk? How when did you make that connection?
0: Uh reading the 100 Greatest Players uh book by Greg Wyshinski and Sean McIndoo and uh Dave Lozo.
1: Okay. He's he's in the Hundred Greatest Players of All Time book.
0: Where's Jonathan Taylor? Te-
1: so. Where's Jonathan on that list?
0: Hundred and 18. he's like around he's like, he's like he's he's around like Henry Rashard I
1: figured Dave Lozo wrote it so he probably left Taze off the list because it feels like when the- this is an honorable mention oh, okay it feels like the time I spent briefly listening to that podcast Dave Lozo was always shit talking Jonathan Taze which seemed like it was it was when Taze was at his in like the 16 to 17 and 18 seasons when he was kind of in his uh, his valley between before he resurged in the last two to three seasons so yeah also, just uh, uh, it was weird seeing Ken Holland get introduced because you forget like he, like the way the Red Wings are right now, obviously not. It's kind of his <laughs> fault. <laughs> yeah, but he was also part of what was a pretty damn good dynasty for fifteen years there in the late nineties and two thousands, and uh, which was promptly ended by Brent Seabrook in twenty thirteen.
0: I mean, they, they wasn't like it wasn't over, over because they made the, pl- the playoffs for twenty-five years in a row. And yeah, so they had to make yeah, but after I that, mean, but. for all
1: intents and purposes, Brent Seabrook yes. acted that shit. So, yes, it was that. Uh, well, what I, actually happened is when Marian decided to sign with Chicago instead of Detroit. That was the end of those Red Wings teams.
2: Awesome. Because because, because then
1: America. it was Pavel, it was Datsuk and Zeidenberg and a lot of guys at the end of their career, and a bunch of young players who aren't so not, like, not to be that great. Yeah, that. They they weren't going to replace the Russian Five. so.
2: But yeah, if you're th- ever interested in learning about the collapse of Detroit, there's a pretty awesome YouTube video on SB Nation's main YouTube channel um, in the collapse video uh, playlist that details the rise and the utter collapse of Detroit. So check that out.
1: <laughs> there you go. And with that, I think we are at a perfect spot to wrap up this here episode of Musings on Madison. First time we've ever had a chance to talk about Hall of Famers. Uh, you know what, really quickly before I forget, uh, before we walk away from all this, Shepard, you said this was your first like, guy that you watched his career and then you saw him in the Hall of Fame. Brandon, who is yours? Because I feel like we might have the same one.
2: A Blackhawks player or just in general?
1: Just, just in general.
2: Oh, Forsberg.
1: Okay, because I, I was going – Forsberg ahead. was
2: my guy. Okay,
1: yeah, that's – I was going to go off the board or, and go to a different sport, and I was going to say either Urlacher or Frank Thomas. Well, I, I guess because, like, and Frank Thomas isn't as much because I think his prime was – his yeah. absolute prime was, like, early, mid-90s, and I was still pretty young then. Like, I remember Urlacher being drafted and putting him into video games. Like, why the hell is this safety playing linebacker? I, I I was wrong on that. But um yeah, like that was Erlacher was the first guy I remember like them drafting him, watching his entire career, and then seeing him go into the Hall of Fame. And that was one of the sharpest reminders that I am no longer a child.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, when we get that's, Patrick that's Manley we're... in the Hall of Fame, then we can talk about bears. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're gonna start talking about long snappers. We better wrap this shit up. So, yeah, I think let's do that. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this special edition of Musings on Madison. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more Hall of Famers to talk about in the future. And you never know, maybe in a couple of weeks or we might actually have real-life actual hockey to talk about. Fingers crossed with uh, the way some things are going in some states in the U.S. It hasn't exactly been encouraging. But um, we're going we're gonna to hold out hope that there's some hockey coming up in the next month or so. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Stay tuned to Second City Hockey. I'm sure we'll have more talking about either Marion Hossa or Doug Wilson or Hall of Fame candidates in general. We're starting to put together our recap of the regular season for the 2019-2020 Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, so we can remind you of this team that we watched for like five, six months and then forgot about in the last three months and then might be watching again next month. Um, And then we can start talking about their playoff potential playoff matchup with the Edmonton Oilers and uh, hopefully we all get to do that so fingers crossed for that but we hope you're all staying safe staying healthy wear a mask please so we can watch hockey I I think that that's just wear a mask we can watch hockey for Brandon for Shepard I'm Dave thanks so much for listening and uh we'll talk to you next time and go
2: Hawks